right, welcome back to a version of a post-game podcast. It's what happens when your team is on a bye week, and Ohio State was on a bye week on Saturday. Doug Maurice, Tim Bielek, Bill Landis, so we're standing in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, the indoor field on Monday. We just talked to Urban Meyer, um, but we want to give you guys a little look um, as sort of a Penn State post-game podcast. We'll have the normal big-time six- to seven-hour podcast on Wednesday, uh, but we did do some stuff on Cleveland.com. You can go read it off of Penn State's win over Michigan on Saturday, and so we want to talk about that. Um, I'll go to Tim first. Saquon Barkley, how worried should Ohio State's defense be about this guy? And we'll say that Urban Meyer just said he's probably the best all-purpose back Urban Meyer has ever coached against. When you broke that guy down, how good is he? Pretty darn good. I mean, there's a reason he's right now the runaway. He's, there's a reason right now he's the runaway Heisman Trophy favorite. And as I wrote this morning on Buckeye Breakfast on Cleveland.com, pretty much he'll clinch it if if they beat Ohio State on Saturday. So when I look at you know how good he is, he's special because he's a guy who can not only make big plays, but he's a guy who it's so hard to make negative plays against. He could turn nothing plays into something. I think there was one where I didn't put it in my five plays from Saquon Barkley that should scare Ohio State where he spun out of attack, out of Rashawn Gary, spun away from him to the other side. That could have been a two-yard loss. He turned that into about a four-yard gain. Those are the things that are going to hurt Ohio State probably as much, if not anything, in addition to the big plays because he's going to rip a big playoff. It's just going to happen. That's how good he is. It's just about making sure that you don't let him turn the, make those nothing into something plays. They've they've played some running backs in my time covering the team here that are sort of like I was going to call Melvin Gordon a fake good running back. Melvin Gordon ran for like three thousand yards, was a first round pick, sixth best running back in the NFL. <laughs> but it, I always I felt like that it was like yeah he's good, but when Ohio State was playing Wisconsin in that Big Ten championship game, I didn't think Melvin Gordon was like super scary. Um, it feels like Barkley's different, and he was scary as a freshman when he came to Columbus in two thousand fifteen. So. Here's the thing I'm, that I'm curious about. Can Barkley be great? Can Barkley have 200 combined yards from scrimmage and be a threat in the kick return game? Can he be the best player on the field, be a dominant offensive force, and Ohio State still wins? Uh, I think no. I think no. Because he did that in his freshman year. He ran for 194 yards, and Ohio State still won comfortably. Um, Christian Hackenberg was a quarterback that year, and that guy stood no chance trying to throw to those receivers behind that line. Um, I think it's the combination of Barkley and McSorley that if like Barkley goes completely nuts like you're describing, McSorley will also make a throw or two to pile on top of it. I, I think you and I wrote it after the game. It was it was baffling to me. Saquon Barkley's first touchdown against Michigan, he gets in a wildcat, he fakes a handoff to Trace McSorley, and the defense just flows with McSorley, and then the back end is wide open, and like that's the design of the play. How does that happen? How like go after Saquon Barkley? You can't let him go nuts, and he didn't really go nuts against Michigan. He had a, a couple a couple big runs that he busted. Um, it was McSorley the one in that game. But if, if Barkley goes nuts, Penn State wins. I think I disagree with that. I think I see a scenario where Saquon Barkley has 200 combined yards, multiple touchdowns. Here's the thing: I think this is a a, a 40 to 30 kind of game. I don't think this is a 28-17 yeah. kind of game. If it, I mean, if it's that, then I guess I can see that playing out. The thing that, if I were Ohio State, I would be concerned about the big plays in the pass game and trying to do what you have to do to limit that, which is get pressure on McSorley, which is, you know, whatever, tighten up your coverage down the field, make sure you have help on the corners, on the big throws. Um, 
that's what beat them last year. A couple big throws, the big throw, um, the the drive right at the end of the first half where they got a touchdown that nobody saw coming. Um, I, I think this is a fairly high-scoring game, and I think Ohio State's offense has to be great in this, and my anticipation for this entire week is going to be that they are going to be great. Um, I don't think you hold Penn State to 21 points in this, but I would be... If this is crazy, I don't think you stop Saquon Barkley. I'm more worried if I'm Ohio State about Trace McSorley down the field. Trace McSorley as a runner. I thought Michigan did not do a great job with McSorley as a runner. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, it was a, the first thing I noticed about, like, the first thing that jumped out to me. and Because I've said earlier in the year, and I, didn't, I don't think I said it on the podcast, but I've said it in conversations with people, is that I did not think Trace McSorley was a very dynamic runner. Um, I pictured him like Baker Mayfield where he's going to scramble and extend plays but not take off down the field and then make guys miss in the open field. He was doing that stuff. So, yeah, he's he's way more dangerous than I thought and certainly a concern for Ohio State. Wiggly. Wiggly. Wiggly's a good, yeah, that's a good way to describe him, Wiggly. So here's another thing that I thought about this, and I think this is possibly unfair and po- possibly wrong. I would just get to put a disclaimer at everything <laughs> ahead of everything I write and say, this is possibly wrong. And I'll be honest, I was... At my parents' house, and I, wasn't, I didn't watch every play of that game. We were driving through the countryside to get back to the hotel. I'm assuming you guys, did you guys watch the whole game, both yeah. of you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, watched, I watched most of it. Was Michi- is Michigan's defense overrated? <laughs> they looked overrated on Saturday. So I think, I mean, I think I saw someone making a point on Twitter that sometimes blowouts are hard because Penn State beat Michigan so convincingly. I think it's possible that your takeaway could be, man, Michigan stinks. Michigan's overrated, which is sort of unfair to Penn State because somewhere in there, part of your main... I made fun of the word takeaways this week on Twitter, and I just said takeaways. <laughs> thing that you think, thinking thing, one of your thinking things is that Penn State is really good on offense when everything works, but I did not think that that Michigan defense was a representation of what the Ohio defense, Ohio State defense will do against Penn State. Do you agree with that, Tim? Yeah, and I, Bill was talking about I think Michigan just had a questionable game plan. I mean, we, the first play by itself says everything. When your number one and number two thing should be take away Saquon Berkeley as much as you can, and you let him go for a 60-some-yard touchdown on a read option fake to the quarterback, I thought that was pretty questionable as far as you know game planning is concerned, and obviously Michigan's offense did nothing the entire game that kind of let that get away. But I think from Ohio State's perspective, they can be good because, I mean, the speed of, that, of Ohio State's defense is just – Tremendous. I mean, we talk about the defensive line. It's going to be the, be- the fe- best defensive line Penn State's faced all season. Nick Bosa's emerged. You expect a healthy Draymond Jones. They're going to have to win the battle up front consistently, I think, to really be able to, to not necessarily stop Penn State, but to create some problems and force tournaments, which I think is going to be just as important because, like you, I think this is going to be a track meet. So I just want to lay this down here. Can I say something real quick? Penn State's played two road games. 21 points and 31 points. 21 at Iowa, 31 at Northwestern. I'm going to lay this down here as a baseline. I think Penn State is really good. I think Saquon Barkley is one of the best college football players I've ever seen in person. I'm a very big Trace McSorley fan. I'm a big Joe Moorhead fan, the Penn State offensive coordinator. I think Penn State is almost certainly one of the four best teams in the country. And I think Ohio State is better. 
I was going to say significantly better, but I think people would take that the wrong way. I don't think this is a coin flip. I think Ohio State is the better team. If they both play well, Ohio State wins. If they both play average, Ohio State wins. The way Penn State wins is if Penn State plays its best game and Ohio State plays average. Okay? I want to lay that down as my baseline thing. But that should not take away from Penn State because I wrote a thing on before the game on Saturday. Penn State was a better team last year. Ohio State's a better team this year. And nothing, and then some people were saying after the game, I got a couple tweets like, do you still believe that? Nothing Saturday night surprised me. I thought Penn State was going to roll Michigan. McSorley didn't surprise you? I feel like that's what they've been. They just were the best version of what they've been. But I feel like one of the things for the Ohio State defense is, and again, there's obviously differences, but the bottom line of good running quarterback who can also throw, they're both throwing the ball effectively intermediately and a little bit down the field, JT Barrett and Trace McSorley I'm talking about. Good dynamic running back. Obviously, Saquon Barkley is better than J.K. Dobbins, but J.K. Dobbins might be on a Saquon Barkley path in his career. Ohio State's defense defends this kind of offense every day in practice. Michigan's defense doesn't see that. They don't prep against that kind of thing. So I feel like Ohio State's defense is more prepared to deal with Penn State than Michigan's defense was. Even though Michigan's defense is good, has a good coordinator, has good players, I felt that was, that was like a bad matchup for Michigan. And I feel like this is a not, I mean, nobody wants to face Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley and those receivers, but I think Ohio State is ready for it. I think one point to mention about this, I mentioned Michigan's offense. We could talk about it for a month after this game. I wonder how much of you know what their offense was unable to do affected the defense because if you're Michigan's defense, you think, oh, we got to hold, you've got to shut these guys down. Maybe at the third quarter when they, they just ran out of gas and that's when Penn State really pulled away. Michigan also is like the youngest team in the country and is gonna, I think is going to have kind of an eh season. doesn't mean they're a terrible program or that Jim Harbaugh should be fired. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> he should not be. I mean, he's Michigan's savior. They're going to be fine. This is not their year. One thing I wanted to mention, and I sort of got in a Twitter fight about this too. People who say Ohio State hasn't played anybody, right? That Ohio State, especially since Oklahoma, hasn't played anybody. I, made, I had this stat in a story I wrote on Monday morning talking about how beating Ohio State last year saved the Penn State football program. In the previous 14 games before beating Ohio State, Penn State was 7-7. Seven and seven. In their 14 games since beating Ohio State, so the Ohio State win isn't part of it. That's the fulcrum. This yeah. is 14 before, 14 after. They're 13-1 and one since then. And everybody knows that. They finished undefeated in the regular season last year, won the Big Ten Championship, lost the Rose Bowl by three points to USC on a field goal in the last play of the game. They're 13-1 and since the Ohio State game. Only two of those wins are against ranked teams. One was against Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship when they had the second-half comeback, when they looked dead and came back. And the other one was the Michigan game. So people are saying, well, Ohio State hasn't beaten anybody. I am not taking anything away from Penn State. But while Ohio State wasn't looking great at times in the second half last year and clearly had problems, they were playing tougher Big Ten teams than Penn State was playing last year. Penn State has done a very good job of taking care of business. Those 14 games that they are 13-1 and in since beating Ohio State last year, the average margin in those games is 43-17. to They are killing people every week and putting up huge offensive numbers. They are not doing it against teams the quality of this Ohio State team.
No, and I think Urban Meyer brought up a point today that Penn State is the number one pass defense in the country. You can also say they haven't played this Ohio State offense is going to be by miles the best offense they've seen by miles this season. I mean, you look at the schedule, I, when you look at the seven teams they've played or so, I can't name more than one offense that's semi-competent passing the football, and that's looking at seven games. Ohio State, you can at least say they've played quality teams. They've played Oklahoma, obviously. They beat Army, who just got into a bowl game. I think Indiana's good. Yeah, Indiana's, Penn State played them too. But. Indiana's a much better team, I think people realize. Penn State's only tough game was against Iowa, a team that lost at Northwestern on a drop pass on a fourth down in overtime. Iowa, not that good. You got me thinking now if Penn State, the win we just saw from Penn State on Saturday is its version of Ohio State's win over Oklahoma last year. And, I mean, tell me if I'm being crazy or if you follow what I'm saying. Penn State has beat bad teams, has not looked great in some games. Like, they almost lost at Iowa, fooled around with Indiana a little bit. Um, it's a miracle they won at Iowa. It is. Yes. And I'm just wondering if it's, like, it's happening in a different order, but it's like you beat the really bad teams. You just kill them because they're really bad teams. And, like, the middle of the road teams you toy around with a little bit, and then there's one game where you play a team that you think is really good, and you crush them. And then it turns out that team's, like, kind of just okay, but that, like, lies to you and sets the stage for what you think is going to be an awesome year and, like, all the problems that you still had in the first six games, like, still exist, and you're just ignoring them now because you won by 40. I think that's on the table for Penn State. Saquon Barkley is awesome. Trace McSorley played the game of his life. He has not played that well this year. That was by far the best game he's played this season. Um, I think a some kind of letdown from that or some kind of like realization that Penn State is not quite that is on the table next week or this week. I swear, what you just said sounds oddly familiar. I feel like you, not me personally because I was on this beat last year, I feel like you guys just lived live through exactly what Bill just said, like word for word what he was saying. And I think... I won't say the Oklahoma loss was an advantage, but what it did, it gave Ohio State a reality check. They understood after two weeks, which I think was important, that this they they needed to fix things. That this was not that this was still a flawed team, and they've had five weeks to work on it, not including the bye week. They've had five games to fix it, and now they know what they're weak at, and they've tried to build that up as well as you know improve on everything else. Penn State hasn't really had to do that, and you wonder. That Michigan game, maybe maybe Doug's right. Maybe it's just a bad matchup. We're going to find out, obviously, on Saturday. But everything's setting up in that direction, possibly. Reality check is what Tim says when he wants to say blessing in disguise, but he knows I'll push him over if he says that. <laughs> but listen, I, I don't... I don't be- Clearly, Ohio State is a different team since Oklahoma. Do we all agree with that? Yes. Yes. So I don't know if they're only a different team because they lost. If... if Baker Mayfield had thrown some goofy interceptions that nobody – Oklahoma kept shooting itself in the foot in the first half and finally got it together in the second half. If Oklahoma had kept fumbling around and Ohio State had managed to win that game 16-13, I think it's very possible we would have seen the same progression from this Ohio State team yeah. because that was two offensive coordinators who weren't sure of how to call a game with these players. Um, this was a progression that they weren't as good early. It makes sense why they're better now. I don't think they got better because they lost. But the other thing I think, here's the thing that I think is complicated um, about my opinion about Ohio State and Oklahoma and Penn State. I think that night Oklahoma would have beaten Penn State. But since then, I think, I think Oklahoma didn't like, played like 110% of itself in that game. 
They were whatever, mad about the year before. Lincoln Riley game planned all summer. Baker Mayfield is a rare athlete at quarterback who did rare things. And they played great. And they have had some a lot of not-so-great games since then. Mm-hmm. Ohio State was the victim that night. Nobody left that stadium thinking, well, Ohio State's actually better. Oklahoma just got them. Everybody thought Oklahoma was better. I think if they played right now, Ohio State would win. I think if Oklahoma played Penn State right now, Penn State would win. But I think that night, Oklahoma might have beaten anybody in the country, maybe even Alabama. The way Baker Mayfield played and the plays they made in the second half and some of the pressure they got when they needed to on JT Barrett. And Ohio State played terrible. So I was always a voter that I did cumulative. You didn't just, you know, I was big on head-to-head. So I'm not talking about, like, how I would vote teams right now. That, to me, is a different thing because you don't get to ignore that. You don't get to take a mulligan when you're voting on teams. But I'm telling you what I think, where I think these teams are and how good they are. If I had to rank how good those three teams are right now, I would not hesitate at all to say one Ohio State, two Penn State, three Oklahoma. Yeah, I agree with that. I vote I vote in the AP poll, and people give me have given me crap the last two weeks about not moving Ohio State ahead of Oklahoma. And the, the only reason I haven't done it is because of the head-to-head win, and frankly the teams Ohio State has beat are not good enough, I think, to wash that head-to-head went away. I think you can outplay a head-to-head loss, and Ohio State will do that if they beat Penn State this week. Um, but that's, like, I don't vote in, according to who I think will win a hypothetical matchup tomorrow, but if you ask me who would win a hypothetical matchup tomorrow, I'd pick Ohio State certainly to beat Oklahoma, Penn State to beat Oklahoma, and you'll know my Ohio State-Penn State pick later this week. Tim, do you buy that, too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it's amazing. It, Colin Coward said this last week on Buckeye Breakfast, and I put it and I put it in a Buckeye, it Breakfast. Buckeye Breakfast. Well, no, he That's said it. He said it on guests on Buckeye Breakfast. Now I like it. Well, he was on his show. I put it in Buckeye Breakfast. He talked about how, you know, college football is so easy to bury a team after two weeks. And if you, like, if you disappeared off the face of the earth for the last six weeks, and you had told someone Ohio State would put up fifty points in four consecutive games, and Oklahoma would lose to Iowa State's third string quarterback, everyone would be like, "Wait, what happened?" Like, that wouldn't make sense. I mean, college football, we know, is as unpredictable a sport as there is because just it, it's just a chaotic sport when you're dealing with guys who are 18 to 22 years old. There's so many things that could go up and down in it. And with the way Ohio State's improved in the last six weeks, from a passing standpoint alone, if you put them against Oklahoma again, I believe they'd have a good shot to win that game. And the one thing that we always go back to a lot, and Tim has a post on this up on Monday morning, Comparing the recruiting rankings of the Ohio State rosters, uh, Ohio State roster and the Penn State roster, go read it. It breaks down everything: five stars, four stars, three stars, by position, all this kind of stuff. Penn State does not have as many good players as Ohio State. Now, Saquon Barkley was like a three-star, right? Four. Four. He was a four, and I don't even think he was like top ten in his own position. Okay, four. so we former Rutgers commit. So I mean, we get that. We also we understand that. But we also do not believe when some people say, oh, recruiting rankings don't matter. Of course they matter. That's why Alabama is number one every year and wins national titles. Talent matters, players matter. Ohio State has a greater depth of talent across the board. They have more future NFL guys across the board than Penn State does. And I'm saying it again because I just want you to know, I think Penn State is great. Everything I'm saying is to just pound home the idea of how good I think Ohio State is right now. 
And I didn't read the story, but I saw a headline from one of the national writers off the Penn State game. And I think the headline was, Penn State's the best team in the country outside of Alabama right now. That Penn State, with that win, the way they beat Michigan, the things they did, the players they have, Penn State is clearly the number two team in the country. And, and it's not a lot of competition. Number three is Georgia. Number four is TCU. I think Penn State's better than them. Mm-hmm. Then you start, you know, Miami's, they're undefeated still. They're not in there. Not, Wisconsin. Now you're get, and then you're getting into some of the one-loss teams. I get it. I get it. I mean, I understand that. That's wrong. Ohio State's better. So you can go ahead and, and do whatever you want with that Penn State win over Michigan. I believe in Penn State. I am not a Penn State hater. Ohio State's better. What, what are the – maybe you don't want to go down this road because it would take a while. Like, What are the positions that make you feel so strongly that Ohio State is better? Defensive line, depth of talent throughout the entire defense. Um, the way the Ohio State offensive line is playing, that they don't have that glaring hole at right tackle like they did last year, I think is a huge difference. Um, and I just think a lot of it is, as good as Trace McSorley is, I think good JT Barrett is better than Trace McSorley. So um, I think it's I think I would take one through eleven on defense. Even though Penn State's past defense is ranked the best in the country or whatever, I didn't even know that coming in. But again, yeah. I think I buy more of what Tim said, that that's basically more about who they played um, than talk about that Penn State defense. I would take – I think the Ohio State linebackers are playing better than they did. I just don't see when you – Penn State has a good defense, right? Mm-hmm. When you line up Penn State's defense, do they have a Nick Bosa, Sam Hubbard, Draymond Jones, Jerome Baker, Denzel Ward? No. No, they don't. No, I can only you can, most people can really only name two, three guys on the defense. I mean, I think Grant Haley and Jason Cabin are really the only guys that like everybody knows on that Penn State defense. Marcus Allen's one of the best safeties in the country. And I'm not saying, and it's again, it's not to say that Penn State's not good, but I think it it was easy. It's been easy to forget um, that we were talking. I mean, there's like five first round picks in the Ohio State defense. So it's like, what do I like better? I like that better. And yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it makes sense if you just look at the talent. It certainly makes sense. I just it's. I just can't go there, man. I'm like I'm like halfway there with you, maybe three quarters of the way there with you. But it's hard for me to say it so definitively. I don't have the the moxie that you're bringing right now. I, and I don't. And I feel like, but I, uh, the reason I have a little extra moxie, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna tell it to you straight. <laughs> I've got this team. I have this Ohio State okay. team okay. down. Okay. And I'm telling you, Buckeye podcast listeners. The day of the, I picked Oklahoma to beat Ohio State by two, and the day of that game, that was like on third, Wednesday, and the more the week went on, and the more I looked at things and thought about things, the day of the game, I said, I'm 80% sure Oklahoma's going to beat Penn State, uh, beat Ohio State. 80% sure Oklahoma's going to beat Ohio State. Nothing that happened in that game surprised me. Baker Mayfield being awesome, Ohio State not being able to throw, not surprised. I think people in that stadium were shocked little revenge factor and i'm not like i think there's some double revenge it's like oh what else is going on oklahoma was the team that was more pissed off in that game this game ohio state's the team that's more pissed off just like penn state was more pissed off team when they played michigan and then like tried to beat them by the same score michigan beat them by last year so like we can that's not you don't win on that you don't win on pissed off you win on talent but pissed off talent that's good yeah. <laughs> we'll put a disclaimer at the front of this podcast since I said the P word six times in a minute. <laughs> so I was 80% sure Oklahoma was going to win that game. I'm 80% sure Ohio State's going to win this game. 
So I feel I feel the same way I felt of that. Just I look at everything and I think I think people aren't seeing this right. I think people have a picture in their head of what they think this is and it's not correct. And it's going to be borne out in what happens and all that's going to be borne out is talent and great players and scheme. It's not crazy stuff. It's just I think people don't have the right view of this. Now, the other thing is Ohio State's favored by seven. So I say people, Vegas is on it. But if you're, I mean, and Penn State should be ranked ahead of Ohio State. I'm not saying Ohio State should be ranked higher. Penn State should be number two. I don't dispute that at all. I'm just telling you, the number two team in the country is coming to Ohio Stadium on Saturday, and Ohio State's a better team. Yeah, and I'm I'm with Doug on this a lot of way and a lot of the way, and I think as a lot of it is what I said a few minutes ago. I don't trust Penn State's schedule. I don't. They haven't really played anybody that's you know spectacular. And the Michigan game, I'll compare this to what I said a couple of weeks ago about how Florida State was a terrible matchup for Alabama as far as like what Florida State doesn't do well, Alabama excels at. What Michigan doesn't do well is score the football. What what does Penn State do well? Score. Track meet favored Penn State. I don't track meet. I would assume that honestly could favor Ohio State because Ohio State, the way they've played on offense, you have about eight or nine different guys on offense that you tr- that Urban Meyer trusts can make things happen. Penn State has about f- maybe four or five, I think. Barkley counts as like six guys, though. Yeah. True. Okay, so in that count, maybe they're <laughs> even if, if we're equaling Barkley to six. But, I mean, I'm not – what I'll say about the recruiting stars, go, getting back to that, I think that's a testament. I'm playing devil's advocate. This is a testament to what James Franklin has done mining gems in the recruiting trail. I mean, Trace McSorley is a three-star. Deshaun Hamilton, the career leader in Penn State, four-star. I thought it was a three. Some yeah, 24-7, I believe, had him at three. Deshaun Hamilton, who's Penn State's career leader in interceptions, three-star. Those are just a couple examples, but, I mean... It shows he's done a good job finding some gems. The, and the other thing is, when we look back at last year's game, clearly Penn State didn't win on offense last year. No. Ohio State outgained him by like 140 yards. Um, and that was, Penn, that was Ohio State's like clunky, inefficient, broken offense outgained Penn State at Penn State. And Ohio State let Penn State hang around, gave up a couple big plays, and then obviously we know the special teams problems. So... That's how far I feel like Ohio State's offense has come. And, and Penn State's offense took off since then. Mm-hmm. But it, they weren't great in that game as a full-functioning offense. That wasn't the debut of the high-flying Penn State offense. That was like the shot in the arm that gave Penn State the confidence to be the high-flying Penn State offense. But it would also make sense to me if you went back and said, wow, Penn State won that game 24-21. Special team, they had a special teams touchdown that won it. They averaged 43 points per game in the 14 games in between. What happened? The offense didn't look quite as high-flying when they got to Ohio State again. And what happened is they played Ohio State. I'm very conflicted. All right, so I'm – and I understand – I'm, we're, I'm, we're, Tim and I are out on the edge here a little bit with the confidence in Penn State. I mean, the confidence in Ohio State. Tim and I, I think, are very confident in Ohio State's chances of winning this game. You, I think, represent many voices. So speak for the people, Bill Landis. And, and, and you're not saying, I mean, you're not conflicted because you think Penn State's going to kill them. You're conflicted, right, because you think Penn State's really good, and this is going to be a really, really hard game for Ohio State to win. Yes, yeah, I don't think like, it's not, not going to be a repeat of what happened against Michigan. Um, 
And I'm, I'm, I've said this before, I'm pretty confident in Ohio State's ability to score against Penn State. Um, Ohio State's secondary scares me. It really scares me. And especially seeing some of the stuff that McSorley was doing. I mean, he's not doing anything crazy. He's just throwing 50-50 balls to tall receivers who are making good catches. I don't know if Ohio State's cornerbacks are equipped to stop them. I don't know who the safety is that covers Deshaun Hamilton in the slot. I don't know who the linebacker or safety is that covers Saquon Barkley out of the backfield. That, that's what makes me nervous. I think they can hit on a lot of the same plays they hit against uh, hit on against Michigan, against Ohio State secondary, because the secondary has not been tested by, by anyone they've played. Um, Maryland had an okay receiver in D.J. Moore. Nebraska had some okay receivers but didn't have a quarterback. Um, Richard Lego played the game of his life and hit some back shoulder throws, but this is different. This is not throwing back shoulder throws and working your way up the sideline. This is six foot seven Mike, Mike Jasicki running down the, the middle of the field and just jumping higher than you to catch a ball, and I don't know who on this defense beats him. I don't know who on the defense slows down Deshaun Hamilton doing the exact same thing. So that's what I'm scared of, and I think that's what people do have questions about the offense. I see some of that, but I think the number one question Ohio State fans might have on their mind is can the secondary stop Penn State? Jordan Fuller in the slot, defending those guys you talked about, and Jerome Baker on Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's that simple. I, I, that would be my solution too. So you have Jordan Fuller in the slot. When Damon Arnett was out for the first half against Nebraska, Jordan Fuller became their slot corner. Their starting safety became their slot corner, which perhaps will turn out to be a heck of a solution for this one as well, even with Damon Arnett fully back now. So you go nickel, and on the field you have Ward, Sheffield, Fuller, Webb, and who's the fifth? Would that be Eric Smith? It could be Eric Smith. Eric Smith was in that game before. I think you can do some things where maybe Arnett's back in more... Maybe you're putting your five best defensive backers on the field, but you don't want to leave Fuller as a floater. You want him locked up in coverage a little more because he's pretty tall, right, on some of these guys. And he's a yeah. really good athlete. He's, yeah. He played corner before in high school. Wasn't he high school corner? Mm, he's like six one, maybe bordering on six two. I agree. I think Fuller is the best slot corner. Damon Arnett, sorry, you shouldn't play slot corner again. Jordan Fuller was better than you in one half. Um, that's one solution to like a four-pronged problem. And I'm saying, and I think, I don't disagree with that at all. I just think Ohio State's offense is good enough where they don't have to solve. They're not going to solve everything. You don't solve Penn State. I don't think you solve Penn State. But maybe you keep them to 28 or 31 yeah. so you can win 38-31 or 42-31 um, so that when Penn State comes out and hits a huge play, you're not shaking in your boots on the sideline thinking, well, how do we match that? It's like, well, we've seen how you match that. Let's run some mesh routes, get Johnny Dixon in the middle of the field. Let's get Marcus Bond a matchup that's handed to Dobbins. Here's the other we'll, – we'll, we'll cut this down here. We have a lot more to talk about on Wednesday. On Wednesday, we'll get back into the food talk. We'll take questions from you guys. We don't have questions for this one. We mostly wanted to break down Penn State. The one thing Urban Meyer said – on Monday was talking about the aggression of the Penn State defensive line, right? He said, they don't, they don't read and react, they come get you. Mm-hmm. That, to me, reads J.K. Dobbins 50 yards up the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the X factor we could talk about Wednesday because we did a thing over the weekend, you can read it, our key, watch our video, our key player we think for this game. I didn't even think about it. J.K. Dobbins. I mean, Ohio State didn't have a dynamic running back of its own. I'm not saying J.K. Dobbins or Saquon Barkley. Not at all. I'm not telling you that, but... Ohio State did not have that dynamic running option that you could feed the ball to 20 times a game. Like Curtis, like 
you guys talked a thousand times about they should give him the ball to Curtis Samuel a lot more. They're going to give the ball to J.K. Dobbins a lot more than they would than usually were Curtis Samuel because Dobbins is more built for that role as a true tailback. And we, Curtis, it was a magic play last year, right? It was against Penn State. It was the Curtis Samuel seventy-four yard run with Mike Weber as a lead blocker, and then Curtis Samuel didn't get it the rest of the rest of the game. I don't think Penn State's going to defend Ohio State the way it defended Michigan or anyone else that's played so far this year. You can't because you'll get burned. And and the other thing to keep in mind is. Penn State's offense certainly wasn't great in the game against Ohio State last year, but a lot of things went Penn State's way because they made them go their way. Ohio State screwed that game up. They had a right tackle that couldn't block anybody. They had Curtis Samuel, their most dynamic offensive player, that they didn't get the ball to. Curtis Samuel won the Michigan game by himself. They didn't use him against Penn State. It was the first thing we asked about, I think, after the Penn State game. Remember, all the stuff of, why don't you give it to Curtis Samuel, came to a head that night. Yeah, it did. It's two two carries, right? And I don't know, I think it was maybe like seven touches all game. Yeah, that, I mean, that was their fatal flaw in that game. And it was a fatal flaw. Like, they didn't, distribution of the ball to the guys who should get it has been a fatal flaw in all these losses against these good teams. And it, it was most evident, I think, in that loss at Penn State last year. I'm trying to look stuff up and hold a phone, and I can't do it. Usually they have last year's box score in the game notes from the Penn State game, so we could look at that. But anyway, all week we have a lot of stuff. We're going to have some recruiting stuff, talking about Ohio State and Penn State recruiting against each other in Pennsylvania and in Ohio. We're going to have a little bit of history stuff, we hope, looking back on some stuff in the Penn State-Ohio State uh, rivalry. This is the 25th game since Penn State joined the Big Ten uh, between these two teams, Ohio State has a 16-8 to 8 advantage so far. We're going to delve into that. We're obviously going to do a lot of breakdowns with the matchups in this game, the key players. Um, we're going to have a great week of coverage at cleveland.com slash OSU. We hope you guys are along for the ride with us. Again, we'll be back on Wednesday with another meteor, more food-involved Buckeye talk, but a lot more football as well. Um, so make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on iTunes, the Buckeye Talk podcast, anywhere else you can subscribe to a podcast, please do so. Tim or Bill got the numbers. Ten touches, two carries for 71 yards, and eight receptions for 68 yards. He was really good, and they should have used him more. Um, what was Barkley, or Barkley's numbers last year in that game? Saquon Barkley had 12 carries for 99 yards and no receptions. I wrote that in the thing. Like He's really blossomed as a receiver this year. In two games against Ohio State, he does not have a reception. Interesting. Okay. All right. Thanks to you guys for listening. Um, Again, this is our quick, this is our Penn State post-game podcast, talking mostly about Penn State and Michigan. We're going to get into even more heavier stuff on Wednesday. So for Tim Bielek and Bill Landis, I'm Deg I said something the other day. I got my name wrong, too. I think it was at at Nebraska. or No, it was either Nebraska or Rutgers. Uh, one of the game, last games you did where you like couldn't remember your name and you're like I always screw it up. I think I called. I thought I called myself Dak the one week, like, like which I might, which kind of would be cool. Like, like yeah, that's a good name. Like I think you pointed at the. I think you pointed at Bill and called him Tim or something like that. I I did that before. I've done, I've already done that in one try. So you just imitated me there for a second. All right. For Bill Landis and Tim Bielek, <laughs> I am Doug Lamarice. We are your Cleveland.com coverage team. And that was Buckeye Talk.